Thanks, Colton. Okay, I got, uh, I know we're in the give, giveaway spirit. I got a couple of giveaways here. Uh, we, we got a strong coffee game here at SunWest. And uh, be, because of a couple of contributors, a couple of folks, and I want to highlight really quickly, I know they don't do this for attention, but Frank and Tina Washington. Are you here? Where's, where's Frank and Tina? Okay, Frank and Tina are Tim Hortons owners, and we give away Tim Hortons gift cards every single Sunday uh, because of Frank and Tina, and we want to thank them. And if you're a newcomer, you've never been to SunWest before, uh, there's a connection card in your bulletin. Fill it out. Go to the Welcome Center, and you'll get a free uh, Tim Hortons gift card. That's your gift this morning, and we thank Frank and Tina for supplying those every single Sunday. We love it and appreciate that. <clears throat> We, we, all, we also roast uh, some beans on Sunday mornings called 521. We actually have uh, the founder and the roaster of 521 here this morning, and his name's Trevor, and you guys can look at the back, and the really tall guy um, waving the bag of beans. And, and so they, they make great coffee, and we're going to give a couple of bags of coffee away. And I also wanted to highlight, because at the end of service, they're making lattes. Uh, so they have, a, they have a machine out there today. So during the tailgate party, you want to grab a latte, uh, feel free to go grab one or an Americano or whatever, whatever you want there. So, quick question. 521, where does 521 get its name from? Can anybody tell me? Yep. It's not a Bible verse. No. Kelvin. <laughs> Yes! There we go. Okay, and that's his dad's height. Who can guess Trevor's height? The guy standing at the back. What's, what's that? Okay. Yeah. Five, same height? What's that? Six, nine. There you go. Same height. Okay, thanks, Trev, for showing up this morning. For making us coffee, for roasting our beans, we love it. So we, so we hope that you'll stick around for the tailgate party and just enjoy uh, each other's company, get to know you. There's lots of games. We're excited about that. Uh, last year at our kickoff, we also had a barbecue, and I, I was eating a burger, and I actually got some ketchup in my eye uh, last year at, at our kickoff barbecue. And I'll tell you what, ever since... Uh, that moment where I got ketchup in my eye, I've had a serious case of hindsight that I just haven't, I have not been able to get rid of. I, uh, it's, uh, it's severe. It's severe. I, I do want to talk about hindsight uh, very briefly. I want to I look back. I want to look back in time. And how many of you guys have that instant replay on your remote? Yeah, you love it. it. Who controls the remote in your house? Do you control the remote in your house, anybody? Okay. If, if there's a sports game on TV, I do not let anybody else control the remote. I need it in my hand. Why? Because of the replay button. What did we ever do before PVRs? You could go back and watch a play again uh, that was awesome, or there's like uh, a fail video that you just want to like over, watch over and over and over again. So we're going to go back. Instant replay. Looking back. In time. 
and uh, got a bit of a highlight video taken from some of our Sunday mornings this past year. Let's take a look uh, at some of the content that we covered uh, in this last year. The Raptors, three point. The Raptors, Toronto Raptors, the Raptors, Spring Raptors, Kings of the North, jump shot. The Raptors, basketball. The Raptors, basketball. The Toronto Raptors, Toronto. The Raptors, basketball. Basketball. The Raptors. The Raptors, basketball. Basketball to receive the King and his team back. Right. Okay. So I confess, like. People thought SunWest was about guiding all people into the lifelong fandom of uh, the Raptors. That's not, we're about guiding life, people into the lifelong authentic relationship with, with Jesus. Uh, but I'll tell you what, that was, a, that was a big year last year for Raptors fans. And, I, and, I, and since then, I, I still have the games that I've, I leave on my PVR that I've not allowed my wife to take away and delete because I just go back and I rewatch them. Like sometimes just at home alone, even when the kids are in bed, I was like, what am I going to do? I was like... I got to watch that Raptors game seven against the 76ers again. I, I just got to watch it again. Uh, so I keep them on there. I go back and look. So let's go back. <laughs> the Raptors won one championship, and Pastor Matt mentioned them 41 times in his sermons. <laughs> and our Sunday gatherings, in this last year alone, we, we have grown in our faith community gathering together over 100 people a week, and this is great. We, our family is growing, and we are excited about that. You can give a, give a cheer for that. If, if, you're, if you're joining our faith community, just special welcome to you. We're really excited about what God is doing and, and the, the fruit that uh, we see coming as people are gathering in community together, following Jesus uh, together. We had 122 people go through our Hearing God course, and so we think it's critical that everybody understands that God speaks to them personally and individually. And it's not just for a pastor or somebody who went to seminary who learns how to discern the Bible that can speak on behalf of God. That's not how it works. 2,000 years ago, God sent his Holy Spirit so that every single person, no matter who you are, no matter what your past, you can have access to God, hear his voice, and walk in relationship with him. And so that's why our Hearing God course is so critical to everything that we do. And we had 122 people uh, come through that and we're excited uh, to kind of build off of that uh, this next year. Give a cheer. Yeah, you can cheer for all these. Groups. You heard groups talked about already, and it just sounds like a commercial. But this is why it's so important. La uh, two years ago, we had only six or seven groups running. Six or seven groups running. We had a whole bunch of people that were coming to SunWest, trying to get engaged at SunWest. They saw the community. They're like, we want to be a part of this community. But then we tried to plug them into a group, and the, the groups were closed, or they were too big and couldn't accept more people because you can't fit 30 people into somebody's living room. And there weren't more groups happening. And so we switched it all up. We said, we got to change the model. We have to allow uh, more people to lead groups, give creativity to the hands of people, and then just encourage this environment of inclusivity. And so since that point, we've had 49 different groups starting 273 people be a part of a group. That's awesome. Yeah. We got about 30 groups starting up here in the next two weeks. Starting point. Chris mentioned starting point. It covers our core four. Whether you've uh, been around SunWest for a long time, whether you're new to SunWest, whether you want to volunteer, uh, get involved in a team at SunWest, starting point is the place to start. That's why we call it starting point. So every Sunday after church, we run a class that covers our core four, know God, find, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference, and just repeat Sunday after Sunday. And we had uh, 36 people, not including our volunteer uh, uh, 
the 100 volunteers we had that started last year, uh, 36 on top of that, we went through all four of those weeks and graduated starting point, uh, and many of them are serving and connected at SunWest now, which is awesome. Yeah, you can give a cheer for that. So teams... So teams is what we call, we have groups where uh, it's inclusive, anybody can show up to any group, and then we have teams, uh, people with certain passions, giftings, where they want to plug in, they want to serve God, and they want to serve people, and we call those teams. And we have 205 people uh, that have signed up to currently uh, to serve on a team, Uh, or we had 205 people last year that served on a team. So that's awesome. Give a cheer. In our kids' ministry, we had 120 kids at summer camps this past summer, uh, which is unreal. So awesome. And then uh, we had 198 kids attend our PD day camps. So Pastor Kendall runs these PD day camps on most Fridays when kids don't have school and parents are figuring out what to do with their kids. We partner with Camp Evergreen and kids come here and experience camp for a day, hear about Jesus. And uh, it's an awesome thing. And we had 198 of those kids come through last year. The first day camp, we only had 12 kids. And I remember Pastor Kendall was crying. Uh, She was shedding tears that week in the office because, uh, you know, our our hopes and our dreams were more than that. And then three day camps camps later, the third one, uh, we had 80 kids registered. And Pastor Kendall was crying. She didn't know what to do with them or have it, she didn't have enough volunteers for them. So we had 13 days of crying about PD Day Camp last year from Pastor Kendall. And ironically, we also had 13 days that Colton mysteriously left the office early. I, they share an office for those that don't know. In our youth ministry, we had 143 participants this past spring break on our Mexico trip that went down to build houses in Mexico, and we've been doing that for 23-odd years, uh, and this is one of the biggest trips we've ever done. So that was awesome, and we had 4,500 slices of pizza delivered to Centennial High School to be consumed by students that were taking the Alpha course. Uh, We have students, yeah... We have students leading their peers, uh, helping them navigate questions of faith and journeying with them. It's a beautiful, awesome thing. And the Church I See campaign, which we launched over a year ago to to come into this uh, facility, uh, among a bunch of other things, and we're going to pick up this, uh, the Church I See kind of vision piece. We're, We're doing another vision series in October, so we won't get too much into that this morning. But we had 128 families give above and beyond the regular giving towards the Church I See campaign. One of our goals was to get 100% participation from those who call SunWest Church a home, and 128 families giving sacrificially um, for, the, to, for us to move into this facility and to be a permanent presence in South Calgary. And if you're one of those families, we just want to say a huge thank you for what you've given. Um, what, a, what a huge gift it's been uh, to have a church home. So thank you. Let's, let's give those families a hand. And that equaled $626,568 given 
uh, towards that campaign and $731,000 pledged out of our $750,000 goal. That was our secondary goal, $750,000. And so we're almost there and that was the end of uh, December, end of 2019. And I just look back and I think, wow, that is phenomenal. Uh, that has happened in just this past year. So uh, thank you for giving. Thank you for joining together and pursuing what God might want to do in us and through us in South Calgary. Yeah, give yourself a hand. That's great. I just want to look forward a little bit and, and talk to you personally. Like I said, in October, we're going to kind of look at big picture uh, vision around SunWest. But last year, we introduced our core four, purchase the facility. We restructured our entire small groups ministry. We strategically engaged with the community in, in a bunch of events. And, and this year, we're, we really want to build off of some of the things that we started doing last year. And our first part of the core four, you've heard it, is no God. Everybody say no God. So I want to talk really quickly um, about this. In John 17, verse 3, Jesus is praying. Jesus is praying to, the, to his Father. And, and this is what he says. He says, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth, to know you. Now, there's a difference between Knowing and knowing. You pick up what I'm saying? No. Let me help you understand. There's a difference between knowing and knowing. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me break it down for you. We're keeping with the sports theme. Hockey. I know hockey. I watch some hockey on TV. I remember uh, being a little kid and going to the arena to watch my dad play hockey. I am involved in a hockey pool where I freely give away my money to 12 other guys every single year. So I know stats. I know players. I, you know, I know kind of what they're about. I play NHL 19, 18, 17, whatever version of the video game you like. I'm pretty good at it on the Xbox, and I would challenge any of you guys to an Xbox game. Um, but yet... Despite how much I know about hockey or how much I've been around hockey, if you've ever seen me play hockey, you would say, that guy doesn't know hockey. Uh, I can't skate. I put skates on, my feet hurt. I went to play shinny a couple of years ago with a bunch of SunWest guys. And uh, so there's a couple of things that I think you have to know when you're playing hockey. You have to know. You have to know how to stop. I don't know how to stop. And uh, I kind of knew that coming in, but I can kind of make a slow turn, right? So I thought, you know... I'll, I'll make my slow turns, and that should get me by. But I found myself, the play is going this way, and I'm skating to catch up, and then the play goes that way, and I got to make my slow turn, and then the, the play is going back the other way, and I found myself on the slab of ice all by myself all the time. I couldn't stop. And so, uh, and if I couldn't make the slow turn, I would just hit the boards. That's, that's kind of how I would stop. I'd full speed into the hockey boards. Any, can I get anybody here... I grew up around hockey. So, and when, but then when I grew up in, grade, in about grade 7, I started shooting basketball. I didn't really know basketball. I didn't watch basketball. But I started playing with the basketball, shooting a basketball, and I know basketball. But what I, how I know hockey and how I know basketball are different. Do you understand what I'm saying? The knowledge, it's a different type of knowledge. When Jesus uses the word know here, he says, this is eternal life. This, this is eternal life that they would know you, God, and they would know me. 
he's not talking about hockey, my hockey knowledge. He's talking about something different. The, the, the Greek word used here, and this is the, 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 the language that the New Testament is written in, is genosko. Everybody say genosko. So why this is important is because it's not the word oida. And oida is like understanding or knowledge about something. I have lots of oida when it comes to hockey. I finished third, actually, in the hockey pool last year. That's a pretty good finish for me. Um, it's, bec- it's not because I know nothing, because I know something. But I don't, when it actually comes to the game of hockey, I don't genosco hockey. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of you know a lot about certain people. But that oida knowledge is different than the genosca knowledge you might have with your wife. Or someone you your best friend, someone you're in a relationship with. In fact, in Mark 1.34, it says, Jesus healed many people who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew they knew who he was. And that word know, there in Mark 1.34, the demons know God. It's not genosco. It's not saying the demons were actually in relationship and intimate knowledge of what God is like, who God is. It's oida. The demons knew lots of information about God. Probably know more about God than I do, but I know God more than they do. You understand what I'm saying? Genosco. Some of you know about God. You have ideas with God, experience with people who said they knew God. And in, in, in fact, many of the negative experiences we've had have actually impacted some of us, our, our tentativeness to actually stepping towards God because people that said they were representing God maybe misrepresented Him to us. And that's what our fall series is about, when bad Christians happen to good people. But despite what you might think you know about God, what we want to invite everybody to is a genosco, a, a knowing of God. It's not about ideas, it's not about information, it's about relationship. Know God. Do you know God? And obviously it's not a, just like any intimate relationship, it's not like a one-time, hey, I know God. It, it, it is an investment over a period of time to get to know somebody. And so we invite people to engage in starting point. We invite people in October, November to, to attend the Hearing God five-week course where you will learn to hear God's voice for yourself. Because God calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. This is what it says in John 10. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They know. I know God. You can know God. No matter your story, no matter where you come from, you can know God. He created you actually to know him. Find freedom. Everybody say find freedom. Back to John 17 verse 3. And this is the way to have eternal life. This word eternal life. In the Greek, means exactly what it sounds like, never-ending, unending life. Without end. And so, for many of us, the, the gospel, the good news, what, what we've heard the, the, the church tell us maybe in your past or your experience was, you know, endure this life so that you can live eternally, live eternal life. It is talking about unending life, but I remember as a kid, you guys know the Philadelphia cream cheese commercial, right? I'm probably really dating myself where she's like sitting in heaven eating cream cheese. 
You know, that, that was like a better picture of heaven than I had when I was growing up. I was like picturing sitting in my hard pew in church. I was like, if heaven is going to be like this, I don't think I want to go there. That's, that was my thought as a kid. Eternally sitting in church. That, that, this is not what it's talking This is not a Philadelphia cream cheese commercial. This is not eternal church service. Eternal life. Eternal life. The, the word life, the second Greek word I just want to look at quick, is the word zoe. Everybody say zoe. And again, we understand the significance of it when we compare it to another word that's also translated as life, bios. Bios is existence. It's breathing. It's surviving. Everybody hold up their hand. Hold up their hand. Put it in front of your face. Breathe on your hand. How many of you felt your breath? How many of you felt your breath? Everybody should have their hand up. If you see a person beside you that doesn't have their hand up, then we have a problem. Why would we have a problem? Because they are losing bios life. They, they are not surviving. If you, if you breathe on your hand, congratulations, you are alive. You're surviving. You're breathing. You're existing. Give yourselves a hand. That's awesome. Glad you're here. But you and I, you and I do not live just to survive. And in fact, if I were to talk to every single one of you, I, uh, my guess is you want more for, from your life than mere survival. You don't want to just survive. You don't want to just live. You don't want to just breathe. You don't want to just go through life and then pass someday. Every single human being has a desire that's been put into their heart by God to live a Zoe life. Zoe means thriving life. It means living out your purpose. It means fulfilling, that there's a richness, that there's a purpose that every person was created for. I believe that every human being wants to thrive, not just survive. And there is a way to have this life. Jesus says, this is how people are to have eternal Zoe life, unending, fulfilling, purposeful life. Our world will say, Zoe life, you can have it if you have enough money, if you have material stuff, you get your dream job, you have enough of these good experiences. But Zoe, according to the Bible, is not found in any of those ways. Zoe is actually found in being connected and knowing God. In other places in Scripture, it uses the analogy of, of, you know, of God being the vine and we are the branches. And if you think of that, the vine is the source of life for the branches. And when, when we are connected to the creator of life, we experience Zoe life. That's why the mission at Sunrise is to guide all people into a, living, a lifelong, authentic relationship with Jesus because we believe that that's the point that we move from just surviving to thriving. Where we move... From just knowing God to finding freedom and then eventually discovering purpose. And freedom, freedom is messy. Freedom is messy. When people are going from survival to thriving and they're trying to figure out what the purpose is, and uh, it's hard. It's so much easier just to survive, to just stay the same. To coast through life. Experience is messy. Have you ever been around someone, let's go back to the hockey analogy, have you ever been around somebody who just seems to dance on the ice? Like they think of a move or they think of something and they just, their body knows how to do it? You know, I've tried it a couple times when I'm playing hockey. I've seen a guy on TV do this, I'm going to do it, and I end up on my back like, like that. I mean, I can't even stop, never mind, spin or do something. Uh, anybody seen somebody like that? It's like they're, they're just fluid on the ice. How did they get there? 
How did they experience that level of freedom that they could play the game and they're not thinking constantly about exactly what they're doing? They're just responding and reacting and they think something and they do it and it's not... How did they get there? Practice. They did it over and over and over again. I mean, we see those beautiful moments in sports where someone does something and, and it's fantastic. It's like, it's like art in motion, but we don't realize that it was days and days and days and years and years of repetition and practice and to the point where they could actually live with that amount of freedom that we see. I think sometimes we think Zoe life, thriving life, should happen like that. And we, we forget that sometimes we have to work towards it. We have to work for it. We have to work together in it. You know, one of my sons, he doesn't like to do anything unless he thinks he can do it absolutely perfectly. And so you know how that works. We got anybody in the room like that? You got a few people like that? You don't like to do something unless you know you're going to do it perfectly. And so what happens is he doesn't do anything, or he doesn't do anything. He doesn't try some things if he thinks he's going to fail at it. Or if he fails at something, then he'll stop because he failed at it. So um, the son, his name rhymes with Joel. Uh, I asked him permission to tell the stories. He said, Dad, it's okay. So... Uh, don't go up to him and talk to him about it after the service, please. Uh, so for years, he's been wanting to learn how to do a backflip, right? And I remember a couple years ago at a birthday party, we, we were at the, the Flying Squirrel, and he was like, Dad, I'm going to do a backflip. He's never done a backflip before. But I'm not one to stop my kids when they want to take risks. So I'm like, sure, do it. Um, and he, like, did a flip off this trampoline into the into the ball pit, and he kind of went inverted and then came down into the ball pit uh, head first. Uh, and, you know, the flying squirrel person came and said, hey, you're not allowed to actually do that, and you, you can't jump into the ball pit head first. And, uh, anyways, it was a scary experience, uh, and, then, and then it took me this time to, like, encourage Joel to try it again on the trampoline. Yeah, we can do it. I'll help you. I'll help you. And then, uh, so I helped him, because I used to be in gymnastics, actually. L little did you know. Little did you know, I used to wear uh, tight clothes and... Uh, and being competitive gymnastics, it's, it's a great uh, fact for two truths and a lie. Uh, but so anyways, I, you know, I've taught all my kids how to do flips, and, 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 and so I've tried to teach Joel, and, and, and Joel, a couple years ago, he did it. And then he jumped, and he um, had a really bad kind of experience on trampoline, and then last year, didn't want to try it at all, wouldn't do it. Uh, this year, this summer, I said, Joel, you got to... We got to do this backflip. We got to get this backflip. And, uh, and, he, and he, you know, he has these moments of like courage. And he's like, okay, hey, let's go do it. We went on the trampoline. And for hours, or I don't know, it was about an hour, I'm like helping him flip, flip, flip. And, I'm, and he's getting it. And then I start like pulling my hands away. And I'm like, you just did it by yourself. I didn't even help you. And uh, he's like, really, really? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, awesome. I was like, I'll stand on the edge of the trampoline. And he did it again. I'm like, whoo. And then I got off the trampoline. I was like, do it. And then, uh, and then he jumped up. And he changed his mind halfway through the air, and we all know how that goes. And then he landed on the side of his head. And then he shut down and said, I'm never going to do that again. Don't want to do it. Uh, and so I, I just left it. And the next day, I'm like, okay, Joel. He's sitting upstairs. I'm like, let's go. It's like, it's time to learn your backflip. He said, Dad, I'm not doing it again. I said, yes, you are. He said, no, I'm not. I said, I wasn't asking you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you you're doing it again. 
And he said, no, I'm not. And he like went in the fetal position on the side of the couch. And so I went upstairs, and I picked him up, and I threw him on my shoulder. I carried him down the stairs. I carried him into the backyard. I threw him on the trampoline. And I said, let's do it. He said, no. He, he, he like, you know what your kids do when they flail on, or they, they lie down, they're like, I don't want to do it. And I said, no, let's do it. I'm, tr I'm trying to pick him up, and he's like doing the dead fish thing. I was like, come on. So, so then I sat down with him, and I said, Joel, if I have one lesson to teach you, I, you know, you're only going to be in my house for another six years. If I have one lesson to teach you, when he's 18, he moves out. He's like, I'm assuming I'll move out. Some of you parents that have 26-year-olds living in your basement, you're like, eh. <laughs> so let's say I got six years. I was like, you don't try things if you don't think you can do them perfectly. And I said, but what that ends up being is, is you end up quitting things before you ever experience the freedom of doing them. And if I have one thing to teach you, it's perseverance. It's like, I need to help you persevere. When you get disappointed, when you get hurt, when things don't go the way you think, when, you're, when you don't get to be as successful at something as you think you might want to be, you need to learn how to persevere. So he did like the pep talk. And then I said to him, I was like, I'm, I will stand on the trampoline and I will spot you hundreds, thousands of times if you want me to, as long as you keep trying to do a backflip and don't give up on it. And so he did. He did. And I, we stood there for another hour or so, just helping him through the backflip. And then here he is, all by himself. Come on. So, I, I don't tell that story just to, to sunbrag, although I love my kids, but I, I just think it's so indicative of every single one of us that there's a dream that we have, there's something that we would like to do, there's a certain life that we would type to live, the Zoe life, this life of freedom. But it takes risk and it takes courage, and sometimes we've stepped out to try and live the life we think we're supposed to live and we get hurt in the process and then we shut down and we say, I'm never doing it again. And God, our Father, comes behind us and says, no, get up, do it again. I'll stand with you as long as it takes. And then he actually calls a community of people because we don't, we don't experience God in a vacuum. We experience God in community. And he calls out a community of people to come alongside. And so our job as a community is to come alongside each other and say, come on, do it. You can do it. I'll spot here. I'll stand beside you as long as it takes. You can experience freedom. Whether it's addiction, whether it's finances, whether it's, whether it's grief, whether it's, you know, whatever it might be, you can experience freedom. You can experience Zoe life, the life that you dream. You don't have to wait till you die to get to heaven to experience it. God actually wants to bring heaven to earth now. Yeah. That was, that was, that was half there. That was half there. So it's risk-taking. It's frightening. But I... But God promises that eternal life is available to you now. How? To know God, to plug into the vine, to experience Him, and then walk in freedom. Walk in freedom. Discover purpose. Everybody say discover purpose. I'll go through these last two really quick. Sorry, I didn't give you a chance. Say discover purpose. <laughs> in Ephesians 2.10, it says that we are God's masterpiece, that we are a work of art. The, the word is poem, and we talk about this verse in our starting point class. So I won't get into it. Come to starting point. We'll talk about it. Basically, you are God's 
prime creation. He loves you. The word is poema, which means poetry. You're the poetry of God. But that's not it. He didn't just create you for the sake of looking at you and being like, oh, man, that person's awesome. He actually created you as an artist, but he also created you to be an artist at work. That you are art, but you are also created to do something. That's why this do in Ephesians 2 is so important. So we can do the good things God prepared in advance for us to do. God created you to be a creator. The the game of life is not a spectator sport. The game of faith is not a spectator sport. Why do we do this church thing? We'll talk about that a bit in our kickoff series. But, you know, there's better music on your stereo at home. No offense to the worship band. You guys are great. But there's better music that you can listen to at home. There's far better sermons that you can listen to than what I say to you on a Sunday. Trust me. You know that. You've listened to them. There's for sure better preaching online. Why? But God created us for a purpose, to do something, to participate in something. He didn't create you to, be, to sit on the couch. He didn't cre- create you to let pass by, to let life pass by. He, he created you not just to, to let life happen to you, but to actually make something happen in this life. Faith isn't a spectator sport. It's easy It's easy to be a critic when you're a spectator. I mean, I got lots of opinions on the Rough Riders and the Oilers, and I I sit there, and I could say lots of things about them, but, and I do, and I have, Uh, and and I, I apologize to you fans. But it's one thing to be a spectator and a critic. It's another thing to get in the game and play. In our culture, we got lots of critics. But we will not discover our purpose and live into it if we decide just to sit back and be critical of everything around us. God created us as a masterpiece, but not to do nothing. He created us to do something. And I've, and I've talked about this verse many times in the individualistic way, and I was rereading it again this week, and I just, it just was so obvious to me that I've missed something the whole time. Look at the collective. For we, everybody say we. We are God's master team. He created us. Say us. A new in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. It's, co- it's a collective. We together are God's master team. God has a plan for us together. Yes, he has a plan for individual life, but it's not separate from what he wants to do in this world and in the community that you're a part of. We live in a world that tells us that our identity is found in your differentiation from the other, but our identity is actually found in our participation with God and with others. We discover purpose together. This is not tennis. This is basketball. This is not a solo sport. This is a team sport. God invites you into the team sport. Make a difference. Imagine what happens when individuals know God, find freedom, and are living out their purpose. They begin to make a difference in the world around them. Now imagine what happens when a collective group of individuals begins to know God, find freedom, discover purpose. What will happen when that collection of people start to impact the world around them. What's the difference that that will make in this world, in South Calgary, in Canada? In particular, at SunWest, we got a missions month in March, so we'll talk about this, but what difference is that going to make in places like Thailand and Burma and El Salvador, places around this globe where we feel called to as a community to make a difference? What difference will it make in your own family, in your own relationships? I want to invite you to stand, if you're able, for a minute. Stand up. Now, 
Have you ever noticed, uh, have you ever suffered through watching golf on TV? <laughs> Anybody? Okay. So have you ever noticed like the golfers, they, you know, the ball's sitting there on the tee box and they'll stand back like this. They stand and look at the ball. Hey, you guys ever notice that? And you're like, what are they doing? Like, that's, like, just go up and hit the ball. They stand, they look. Uh, and I always thought, like, maybe they were, like, aiming. Like, you know, you know that's, that's part of it. Uh, but what they're actually doing is what many athletes do in sports is they visualize themselves swinging the shot that they want to swing. You know, when I was playing basketball, my coach, before a game would start, he would often get us to close our eyes and say, I want you to visualize the game you're going to play. I want you to visualize the future. I want you to imagine taking those shots, making those passes, doing the things that we talked about. And no matter what your past, God invites you to visualize a different future. To imagine a certain type of life that is fulfilling, satisfying, that is purpose-filled, but is also that's making a difference in the world around you. And so I want you to close your eyes for a minute. This is like pre-game, pre-year. This is like our team huddle. And I'm going to invite you to visualize. What if this year you know God in a new way? What if this year you go from having opinions about God, ideas about God, and know Him for yourself? What if this year you learn how to hear His voice? What if this year you find a level of freedom you've never experienced before in your life? Where you take a risk. Where you forgive for the hurts that have happened to you in the past that have shut you down that said, you know, I'm never going to take a risk again. And what if, what if this year you move past that? Instead of ignoring the bitterness, the anger, or the anxiety, you start to deal with it, you, ha- you find freedom and you start to step forward. What if this year you go from surviving to thriving? You move from bios to zoe, life. And what if this year, as you're journeying to know God and finding freedom, you start to discover purpose? And maybe you already sense you have a sense of purpose, but maybe that that purpose becomes even clearer this year. What if this is the year that you gain clarity on how God has uniquely made you and gifted you, not just to sit there, but to do something? That you have a purpose to be at this particular place on this planet at this particular point of time, and this year you discovered your purpose is intricately intertwined with what God is doing in the world and what He's doing with other people. That this is a team sport. Let's visualize for a second what it would mean for you to make a difference. What if you started making ripple effects in the world around you and the relationships around you that allowed others to know God, find freedom, discover purpose? And I want you to visualize with your eyes closed for a second your funeral. I mean, as a pastor, I end up attending funerals. And people get up and share about the person at their funeral. Now look down the road, visualize. What are they talking about when they share about you? What are they sharing about the difference you made in their life? Are they talking about the stuff that you accomplished? Are they talking about how far up the corporate ladder you climbed? Are they talking about maybe the addictions or the destructive patterns or behaviors or challenges that marked your life that you didn't overcome? Or maybe they're not saying much because they're trying to honor your memory. I've been at funerals like that too. 
possibly this moment, this year, could actually be a trajectory turn. And when you look down the road, when you, when you imagine your own funeral, maybe they're there because you left a legacy. Because through you, they were able to know God, find freedom, discover their own purpose. Maybe they're talking about how you took risks, how you weren't willing just to live with the status quo. You weren't willing just to live, to sit there, to survive, to be in bios. You actually took the risk to live Zoe life, to live a life of freedom. Maybe your kids, your spouse, your grandkids, your friends, your co-workers came because they wouldn't be who they are if they wouldn't have known you. I don't know what your next step is. For some of you, it might be no God. For some of you, it might be journeying beyond that to finding freedom. For some of you, it might be journeying beyond that to discovering your purpose and living out the difference that God invites you to make. But I know that there's a next step and there's a next level for every single one of us. And this is what I anticipate. This is what I'm praying for in the 2019-20 season. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've called us. We thank you that you invite us to know you in an intimate way, just not know about you. And that as we know you, Lord, that you free us up to live the life of purpose you created us for to make a difference in the world. Lord, we recognize that you don't call us to follow you in a vacuum, but to follow you together in community. Lord, help us know you more, find freedom in you, discover our purpose, and make a difference for your glory and our joy. Amen. All right, now the party really starts. Uh, we're going to have a tailgate party in the parking lot. If you um, are not planning on sticking around, and I don't know why you wouldn't, um, I heard all the parents of the young kids have, you know, they had voices in their head, but maybe you got nap time. But we invite everybody to stick around. We got activities uh, for everybody, and uh, I challenge somebody to a game of nine square, goggle ball, whatever. Uh, there's there's going to be food available for you, and if you aren't planning on sticking around, uh, you have a little bit of a window here to maybe uh, escape as it'll get a little bit tougher as the parking lot fills up uh, and we hang out together. Uh, but thank you for coming. I'm going to invite our prayer folks uh, to the forward or to the front, to the forward. I would invite you to come forward. Um, if you felt like God was stirring in your heart, uh, anything this morning that you just want to bring to God in prayer with somebody else, uh, we would invite you to come forward. Our prayer teams uh, are awesome people, been been trained here at SunWest, but they'd love to pray with you and encourage you uh, in that. And uh, so, yeah, let me just pray, and then you are released. God, we thank you. As we look back, we thank you for what you've done. But we also uh, know, Lord, that there's more that you want to do in our lives and in the lives of others. And so we thank you for creating us for a purpose, that we get to partner with you in what you are doing. Lord, we look forward to the stories of celebration of life transformation uh, in the coming year because of the things that you're going to do. And you are a God that does great things. Amen. All right, thanks for coming. We'll see you guys out in the park.